Yo, yo, yo. What is going on? Sean here, once again, for the 33rd episode of Room 9. This is a long and overdue episode. For those of you who've been with us since the beginning, you would remember I started off with a co-host, and we started doing this together. He kind of went on and became doing his own thing and his life, and I'm so pumped to have been able to sit down. We did not have enough time, but it was just awesome to catch up with him and see and hear how great he is doing, Andy Jacobson. And it's more centered around the 12 Steps, which is an episode I've probably have needed, and he just really shares how the 12 Steps and AA have changed his life and have helped him stay clean. Before I get into that, just a friendly reminder that we want you to head over to room9podcast.com and fill out a contact form and all of that jazz. And if you're really into helping us spread this message and this word of hope and love and encouragement and strength to hit up the support page and read our letter to donor that will give you a rundown of how the finances are all taken care of at Room 9. And, you know, give us a one-time donation, a monthly donation, donation, a monthly donation, and you would get back something in return as well when you do the monthly donations. Also, be looking for this week, probably Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to release a solo episode, and I really want people's feedback on that because I don't know if I should do more of them, stay away from them. I'm not really sure if I'm even a fan of them yet because it's bad enough hearing myself talk when I have a guest on when it's just me for 40 minutes. It's, you know, a little weird and almost, I feel, narcissistic (laughs) when I do it, but I'm really interested to see what your guys' feedback is on that. So other than that, if you need know somebody who needs a recovery coach in their life, Room 9 is now going to be offering that. Right now I'm working with Save the Michaels on that, but eventually down the road I'll be running it on my own. If you would like to have me as a recovery coach or know somebody who would need a recovery coach, email me at room9podcast at gmail.com and I can get you hooked up with that and we would go work with Save the Michaels and I can team up with you and start helping you out. So that is all. Like I said, this is episode 33. Sit down with an awesome friend I was in rehab with him from I think he was there a day and a half or so before me super proud of this dude I love this dude he's like a brother and it was so exciting and awesome to hear how great he's doing and how his life has changed so enjoy I love you guys and as always thank you for listening put it i feel like it's accurate <laughs> i feel like it's accurate i do feel like it's accurate he's lost i'll just pray for you just keep praying for me bro oh, no. no i don't do that um so i actually had this guy that i grew up he's like my parents age but he, he found out i was like doing website stuff and from the you know the church and shit and mm-hmm. he asked me for coffee i'm like all right whatever i'll say yes do some networking maybe he'll pay me to do some stuff on his website but it basically turned into him they're trying to save trying you. Trying to like get me back to Christianity. <laughs> nice. And then I was just like, 
you know, I was just honest. I was very respectful, but I was just, I'm like, uh, I just, I'm not, I can't buy into it anymore. And whatever. We had we talked for like an hour and then I left, but then he sent me a text. I found this book that it's a guy from, you know, I don't know. He's from one of those Eastern countries and why Jesus is the right way. And I'd like to go through it with you. And I was just like, I can't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have time. You know, I like what, I can't do it. I'm you know sorry. What, what irritates me a lot is when somebody has a point of view or a perspective, but they can't be bothered to explain it to you. So they're like, here, read this book. Well, he, he wanted to books, read it with me. Okay, well, okay, I guess I'm like not really talking about the same it, thing. But yeah. do you know what I mean? When yeah. people are like, no, here's a really good book. And it's always like Eckhart Tolle. You know <laughs> Eckhart I mean? Tolle, yeah. This will change your life. <laughs> like, why don't you just explain it to me in a conversation instead of trying to pawn off your shitty literature on me? But oh, thank you for man. not having the enthusiasm to do it yourself. It's unbelievable. I, yeah. That's the little things that bother me. I'm a very just, calm, like, patient person nowadays, but it doesn't mean that I don't notice idiots. Oh, there's plenty of them out there mm. in all in all walks of life. Yeah. All religions, yeah. all walks, whatever it is. Oh, my goodness. Morons. Uh, but that yeah, is the know. move. Like, that's the best move to, like, stick it to somebody without them knowing it. Like, I'm just going to block your number. And then, like, you tell them six months later, like, really? You blocked me? I'm like, they didn't even know. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'll fucking show you. Yeah, you showed them. Blocking them on Facebook. Yeah. Like, I'm going to harass them or something. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, in modern times, that's like the big jab to defriend somebody or unfriend. I guess so. Is yeah. it defriend or unfriend? I think it'd be unfriend, right? Unfriend, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's unfriend. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I mean, I miss him. I just hope he's all right. I feel like he's just on thin ice with, if I don't want him to like, he's just spazzing out. I mean, maybe he's just trying to just get his legs back under him as far as like real life shit. You know what I mean? No, he definitely like, is. Because we weren't like that's I think not it's the real world. Out, like though, being in know? rehab and, and going through that process, like that's not you're you're on a timeout from the real world, and mm-hmm. that's, that's like what, it's, it's what you need. You know what I mean? So it it can be. A, I don't. I can only speak for myself, but it's it's a little intimidating at times. No, it is. Yeah, you know it what definitely I mean? like is. Being in the real world and you know re re getting dreams, like to have dreams and stuff. Like it's like I'm working my job now. But I have dreams of, like, what I want to build my life into. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like, it's scary. You know what I mean? It's scary to to think, like, am I going to be able to handle that? Like, if I actually get what I want and I work towards it and I achieve that goal, like, will I be able to handle that level of, quote, unquote, like, success or Pressure whatever you want to call it? Yeah, or it the, is, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's I never wanted kids because I didn't think that I'd be able to handle it. You know, and now I got two kids in my life, and it's not that it's like, oh, this is no big deal. Like it's a huge no, deal. It is. It's a huge it's deal, but it's not. It's, it's not everything. something that I I thought I had in me. I didn't think I had the ability to be patient with putting kids to bed and convincing them to brush their teeth and like and why rinse. right and like why can't I draw on my face with a permanent marker because because you <laughs> fucking can't. You like I you know what I mean, and that's something I I do my best to remember that like they just don't know. You know what I mean? My whole life, well, not my whole life, but for most of my day, I'm dealing with adults. And not saying that they know the ins and outs of life either, but it's no, like... No, most of them don't. No, but. you know what I mean? But like to just, they, they've had the a certain amount of life experience that t- children just don't, haven't had. You know, that's why you got to teach kids to look both ways before crossing the street. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you'll get waxed by a car. And I mean, adults who, who have never been hit by a car have like heard of people getting hit by cars. They've seen it on the news or in like, you know, videos and stuff like that. So like they get it, but kids just don't get it. Like the, there's so many things that they just don't understand. Like It's a lot of responsibility. Right. Can yeah. I have a bagel? We don't have any bagels. Why? 
Cause we don't. Yeah. But I want a bagel. Oh my fucking God. I get that part. I'm hearing what you're saying, but we don't I know have you want any. a bagel. We just yeah. don't have any. We just don't have any bagels right now. Can and you go then, get some? No. Yeah. Why? <laughs> cause I'm just, yeah. Cause I'm not, you know, because I have to put both of you in car seats, drive to a store that I really don't want to go to. The self checkout's not going to accept cash. So I'm going to have to go through a line and talk to some moron. And you can't explain <laughs> that to a two year old who wants a bagel. <laughs> no, you cannot. So yeah. Life, uh, life's definitely different these days. Yeah, something about kids. Though. It's I loved, I loved sacrificing for my kids, man. At one time, I would say that was like the only thing I was ever good at was being a dad. Now I have a, I've had a little paradigm shift in my thinking, mm. and I know that's not true, but I do, I do miss that. I was great at it. Now I'm pretty much well not a dad, but. And people always like try to make you feel you're still a dad. Like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it, I don't enjoy saying that, but I'm just not. Well, that's something that I've always loved about you is like your ability to see things realistically without having hurt feeling. Like you might, you might have a hurt feeling over yeah, it, but I you mean, don't let sucks. that dominate yeah. the situation yeah. and cloud your ability to, to reason and be logical. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, like this is the situation. Yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is right now, but a lot of people can't do that. They just they don't want to accept it, and I mean it doesn't change anything, but it just makes yeah, them look like want, an idiot you know, because they don't want your to... feelings hurt and all right. that jazz. Oh my God, and it's I like fucking hate feelings. Like just shut up about your feelings. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I had that conversation at work not long ago, and the owner of the company was right there too. And I didn't think even what I was saying before I said it, but somebody said something about their feelings or like they feel this and that, and I just looked over and I was like, I don't care about your feelings. <laughs> and he looked at me and he looked sad. So like I wanted to clear it up and let him know it wasn't personal or directed at him. And I was like, no, I just don't care about feelings in general because they don't accomplish anything. Mm. They're nice when they feel nice and they're a burden when they're feeling shitty, but they don't do anything. Like feelings yeah, don't, they too- don't get you anywhere. You know what I mean? And maybe that sounds callous and cold, but like... I mean, I think they have some point. I was actually just reading, I just started in a new book and the guy talks about this dude who was like very successful great family everything blah 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 long story short he had a brain tumor on his frontal lobe and when they took the tumor off all of a sudden like his life started falling apart because they couldn't figure out exactly why but he would just not go to meetings like he'd miss important meetings because he bought a new stapler <laughs> and he like misses like his daughter's uh baseball game because he watched James Bond marathon and like eventually his like marriage fell apart he lost his job he was living back with his brother and his brother kept taking him to these doctors like something's wrong with this dude mm-hmm. and the doctor finally found out like he just he knows logically I should go to my daughter's baseball game even if I don't feel like it mm-hmm. you know that's what I should do but he would he just wouldn't do it and he ended up like you know frontal lobotomies where you stop like having feelings essentially like you know logically what you should and shouldn't do right and i should go to my daughter's baseball game because i'm her father but no i don't really yeah whatever i'm just gonna sit here yeah like you kind of lose your reason you know he could talk about the consequences of it like i knew i should be there but just didn't this is what i wanted to do and it was just, it's very Cold bizarre. Cold on. Because I'm, I'm, for the most part, I feel this, like feelings get in the way of a lot of thinking. I mean, of course they, they serve a purpose, you know what I mean? Like the way I feel about these kids is what inspires me to make them better. Sacrifice. And- you know, and, and stuff like that. Like they, I don't know. I'm not like cold blooded or have like a black heart. Or a sociopath. But just when it, yeah, when it comes to like real life stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, was it not yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Um, we had to switch out a hot water tank in this lady's house. And we were there later than usual work hours. We ended up leaving at like 6 or 6.30 or 7 or something like that later in the day. But we had to get the job done because she needed hot water. We took out her old tank. So you have to have this thing operating <laughs> for when she comes home. And I didn't feel like being there. I didn't feel happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this it's like, great. In, the, in that scenario, like my feelings really didn't matter because she hired us to do a job and that's just what it is. So that's what I mean, like as far as like feelings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's just like, like when you don't, well, I don't like this food, you know, like that doesn't make me feel happy. Well, you need food to live. So it. it might not be your favorite right now, but fucking eat it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, yeah, so stuff like that. Is where I think that feelings are just like retarded. You know, no, what they I mean? can be very, and they can make you make very poor decisions. Right, right. Like I was, re- there was a, I think it was Warren Warren Buffett was talking about like why so many people fail in like financial markets and this and that. He's like they invest off of emotion. You know, there's a product that they think is amazing, and so they mm. invest in it. And it's like, well, you're you're not investing with your brain. You're investing with your heart and your that's feelings huge. and stuff yeah. like that. Like, and so that's you know often can really like, what's going on over there? Your cat and the cat's being an idiot. Being a cat, <clears throat> pretty much. But yeah, I get what you're saying. You see what I mean? I like do. they just they get in the way of logic a lot. They and, most and, certainly do. But it's you know you got to find that. I don't want to call it a middle ground because I don't really know where on the, the scale B word. it would. I, I'm, no, I'm not going to use that <laughs> word. But it's like I don't know where on the scale it would fit, so I can't say it's a middle ground. But like there has to be that like ratio of, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to be a complete sociopath and make everything based off of logic because yeah. then how cold is your life going to be? You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to make a bad decision in, you know, on feelings or whatever. You call in a work on an important day because you just want to lay in bed with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's just, it's that, things like that should be a part of your life as long as it's not over the top running rampant and like dictating your day, day to day. Because it's very, out of, a, out of a 30 day month, maybe three days I wake up and I'm like, fuck, I want to go to work. Yeah, it's you know? pretty rare. And it's like, I love my job. And by the time I get there and stuff, I'm just, I've, I've never, I'm never regretting going in, but but it's like it's when I wake up, like I don't want to wake up and make coffee, you know what I mean, and, and get ready to go. But like that's just what it is. Even even sometimes, I mean, the main reason why I'm doing this whole room nine thing is because I know I can't go back to a job that I don't love doing and I feel mm-hmm. like is work because that was one of the biggest things for me for even using feeling like a waste at a pointless job. But even sometimes doing this, like I got to fight through it. I don't feel like dude, I want to sit in my bed and watch lions tear apart a fucking antelope but i can't right now sick mania (laughs) i have to get up and do some editing or my least favorite thing social media stuff and Mm -hmm. which is most time consuming thing you have to do but But yeah if you want to achieve your goal or whatever it is that you're shooting for i mean there's going to be things that are are uncomfortable and it's like if i don't know if it wasn't hard then you know everybody would do it i know it's a cliche you know but that's true yeah then what's the point in striving what's the point of like working through difficult shit whatever it may be a workout or a diet we're constantly doing things that's a great example things that we hate doing like nobody really likes the pain of working out but you do well, it because you, you feel learned, good when you're done I and think you know you your body's to, getting better and learn to love it or at the very least appreciate it like when you're like really yeah. hardcore into bodybuilding and your muscles are tearing to, to the average person that'd be an uncomfortable thing they want to avoid but to somebody who you knows know the what result the outcome is going to be the result so they, is, learn, they learn to love that pain 
and they learn to love that discomfort because they realize what it's going to turn into. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you are a candy fanatic and you're forcing yourself to eat salads, like you're going to learn to <laughs> love it because you, you're going to get the outcome that you want. You're going to lose the weight that you want to lose or whatever thing you might be trying to get to. So like you said, like social media, that's vital. If you're going to be yeah. in media in and you're going to be and in trying to promote and like the arts and entertainment industry. Well, I mean, social media is part of everything now, even in just everything, like straight business. Literally, like yeah. every business Pizzerias. has. Pizzerias. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has a Facebook page. You know, I, work, I have a construction company that I work for. We have a, a Facebook, Facebook page. page. And it's like, it's part of networking now, just like billboards were back in the day. You know what I mean? This is like the new, it's the new avenue to getting your name out there, regardless of what it is. I keep seeing advertisements for the digital billboards. You can get your thing up there. I was like, that'd be cool to have the Room 9 logo. It would be cool. I'm sure it's a waste of money, though. How many people are really going to, like, go listen to your podcast after driving <laughs> Stuck down Stuck on the 190 in traffic. So I saw this interesting billboard. Yeah, it was like three lines in a circle yeah. above it. Right, yeah. Like, I'm not a heroin addict, but I'm interested about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, and I, there's really no rhyme or reason to this, but when I was a kid, I was like, I want my own billboard. Not to advertise anything, <laughs> but just, just two like... thumbs up. Yeah, just a picture of me, and it just says, Andy. <laughs> And I was like, what's that all about? Man, it's I just wish, me. I wish I had money. Yeah, when, I wish. when I make it, I'm going to do that. You're just gonna, and I'm not going to tell you, though. That one picture of you in my parents' yard with your shirt off and the cigarette and the sunglasses is yes. going to be on a billboard. That would it's that'd, that'd say be amazing. Andy. I looked good in that picture. <laughs> I looked very feminine, but good. Oh, that was that's a great classic picture. Yeah. Dude, I'd make such a shitty rich person because I would do things like that. Just oh, billboards yeah. That's with my why I would face. never have any money. I would have a truck that I would get designed just to piss people off. Like drive <laughs> on city streets in a monster truck just to be like, oh, this fucking asshole. <laughs> it's a loading zone. You can't park there. Tow it. I'm rich. Tow it. I don't care. I'll just go buy a new one on my way and walk home. Just like obnoxious stuff. I've seen this. There was an article. I don't remember what magazine I read it in or whatever. But it was this big business guy. He was um, he was from India, but he like lived in New York and had offices like all over the world or whatever. And he had this Ferrari, and he parked it in a towaway zone. And he went and like hey, I don't know if he walked into the building that he was in front of and said, "Hey, there's somebody parked in your loading zone or whatever." So, anyways, they come and tow it, and then take it to the impound or whatever. And he comes like three or four weeks later, whatever the duration of time was. And it cost him like 400 bucks or something for the tow and the impound and this and that. And um, he's talking to the guy and he says, you know, he, like he did it on purpose. And I'm like, why? And he was like, well, because to put it in storage was 1200 bucks. <laughs> so I just had you guys hold it. And it's like, what an obnoxious piece of shit businessman thing to do. But smart. That's super and he smart. He saved a ton of money. And like he went on his vacation and his car was okay instead of paying to put it in like a storage lot. That's, so, that's great. Yeah. just that's like genius. There's some like, I mean, when people like judge, like I'm not a fan of the Kardashians or the Hiltons or anything like that. Like I don't, I don't hate them, but I don't follow them. And it's like people like they judge that. And it's like, oh, look at these, you know, bastards. Like Yuppies. $10,000 bottle of champagne that they spray around. Or when Justin Bieber was getting in trouble for, like, whipping his, like, $400,000 Lamborghini around, like, city streets at, like, 200 <laughs> miles an hour. It's like, what would you do if you were 19 and had $400 million or whatever it was that he that he had? So much money. Yeah, just things like that. Like, everybody would do it. Like, everybody would do it. And the ones who it's like, well, this rich person doesn't. Well, they just don't do it in front of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> what are you, just up on, like, the lifestyles of the wealthy? You just like, follow you just, them all around. You just know what they're doing. Like, I can only imagine the sick shit that rich people are into. I don't fucking know. This is going south. It totally is. This is going south. We'll this have to swing it to actually 12 steps because that's yeah. what I really wanted to talk to you yeah. about. 
because I have found I do not have obviously it's not it hasn't been my thing so Mm. it's not something that's been like the topic I mean really probably since you've been on it in Mm. the beginning with co-hosts and with me probably the last time 12 steps has been like brought up to at least a decent length of conversation I was like I need to get that's why I wanted you on here because and I haven't talked to you forever and I was like well I can find out where you're at on your steps what you're doing Mm. how's um are you still with the AA depth and weight yeah yeah. Still going there. Well, I should have been there tonight, but I was babysitting. But yeah, more or less, I'm I'm not the most active, but I'm not like the most inactive either. As far as like people, I mean, well, you work sixty hours a week, so I work. Yeah, I work a lot, and I mean, just when you get sober, it's like AA is still a very big part of my life. God's the center of my life. But then it's like, okay, so I got sober. I'm out of the rehab. I'm out of this house. And I went to the Oxford house. And now I'm like officially out in the real world. I'm working. I've mm-hmm. got a family now. And so it's like having God the center of my world. So I go to God with all my questions. And it's like, does God want me to only dwell at meetings and not do anything else? Because it's like now now I'm, now I'm that I've been freed of that insanity and I'm not living that life anymore, now I, I can be useful to God. And so it's like, where does God want me useful? Well, I can help at work. You know what I mean? I can be of service to my my boss. I can be of service to these kids being nice out in the community and stuff. Like it's it's an all encompassing thing to all aspects of your life. Um, I can't really remember where I was going with that. (laughs) Classic Andy line. (laughs) But I I guess I was kind of going out to like, I went from, you know, seven meetings a week Mm -hmm. down to like two or so. You know what I mean? And and I've had conversations with people saying, you know, like, that's not enough and you need to be doing more yeah. of this. But it's like everybody who goes through AA, like the whole point is like, you know, you, you have a sponsor, you do the steps and you get well. And now you start sponsoring people and, and, and walking them Are through the same. Are you sponsoring people? Um, technically, I'm still sponsoring a couple of guys, but I, just, I haven't heard okay. from them in a while. So I don't really know where they're at or what they're doing. But uh, Are but you sponsoring that Kevin kid? Kyle. Kyle was Kyle. Okay. Kevin, yeah. somebody else was sponsoring Kevin that I knew. But yeah, it's basically, I don't know, like going through the steps and taking that avenue to sobriety and recovery has given me the ability to be a productive person in the world. Mm-hmm. And not just productive in the sense of like making money, paying bills, but just like giving something to society, offering something to the world. If it's just holding doors, kindness, whatever it may be, you know what I mean? Being polite to people who like, I don't necessarily have to be polite to, like, I don't have to be nice to the person person at 7-Eleven. I don't like shower them with compliments or hold like long conversations, but just common pleasantries, you know, normal, normal, like niceness or whatever. That's something that I definitely got brought out of me by going through the steps. You know what I mean? And it's what was coming through my head when you were saying like, you know, I haven't had anybody like 12 step oriented on this podcast. Like I, it seems to me like AA was like the original way to get sober. Like there was a couple groups before that, that sort of fell apart. But, but AA, it, yeah, pretty much it's like what, was the, that the 30s? That was, yeah. Like the, I think early 30s. And then I think 35 yeah. is when the book came out and okay. it actually became like an official thing. But like people are... People are afraid of AA. People who want to get sober, it's like, well, I went to meetings. It doesn't work. Well, I mean, did you really do it, though? Like, going to meetings no, people is not... Do, people do say that shit about anything. Like, even meditation, whatever. I tried meditating twice, so it doesn't, doesn't work for right. me. Right. Well, I did a push-up once, and I'm not a bodybuilder, yeah. so it's horseshit. Like, like, no, it's something <laughs> that you have to literally give your entire self to, your entire life. And that statement right there, I feel like, can be intimidating because it's, it's hard to explain exactly what that means until you go through the process wholeheartedly, fully willing, mm-hmm. and, like, letting go of all 
past reservations of what you want your life to be. And like what comes out on the other side is that you realize that it's like, I, it's my new way of life. And it's not that I, I lose all of me because some, that's something I had a conversation with a guy when I was like halfway through the steps and we were talking about like the outcome and what it's going to be. And I was like, you know, like I don't really want to be this like totally lucid, spiritual, just puddle of a person who's just like, everything is okay. And a lot of people like, go into that thinking that's what they have to do. Right. And I think everybody has like their preconceived notion of what it is or, or maybe they don't. I don't know. But I'm no, sure I mean, some people do. Yeah, I think you can't help but have that but the, really what, what kind this, of going into anything. Right. Well, yeah, if, you, if you're like unfamiliar with it because you just yeah. haven't done it. But what this guy said to me, he was just like, OK, look at it like this, because, again, everything God centered. And he's like, you know, God gave you a personality, you know, so all this negativity and shit that's in your life is things that you attach to it, like a Velcro ball. You just like, you know, fucking drug addict and, and thief and angry and resentful. Those are all things that you've attached knowing or unknowingly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe like the resentments and, and aggression and stuff. I didn't do that on purpose. But as a result of my experiences and the way that I absorbed and digested those experiences that's what made me aggressive I, I don't know but he was like so when you do these steps and you you do this thing thoroughly all the bad stuff just gets peeled off and you're still left with Andy but like the good the good of Andy you know the stuff that God mm-hmm. wanted you to be you know and so like so many things come from that experience and and continuing to live that experience but one of the biggest things is that like I learned a lot about myself and like who I really am and I'm not saying I know who I really am but I have a much better understanding of like who I am who I want to be and like all that aggression was was a shield for the fear Mm -hmm. and the feelings of inadequacy and the insecurity and you know like the resentment and stuff like that broken home so I resented kids who had two parents seriously that's (laughs) pussy two parents what do you guys sit down to dinner together we're still together (laughs) right and you know but it was just it was out of jealousy you know and I'm not wrong for I don't think that I'm wrong for developing in that manner because when you're young especially when you're young you don't have no say in it you don't you don't understand what's going on you don't understand that you're absorbing your environment you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like when you're a kid you're just clueless everything is la 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 like you have to like everything has to be explained to you and like those things weren't explained thoroughly and it's like who would really even think to do that and who would understand it too at a young age yeah right exactly so even if somebody tried to explain to you the dynamics of a divorce are you really gonna understand both sides and be like no you guys made the right call you know (laughs) exactly yeah you know so stuff like that but um but yeah so it uh it gave me the opportunity to be a better man and to be somebody that I feel good about you know what I mean like when I wake up in the morning I feel good that there's people that trust me at work there's like you know my girlfriend's at a concert right now with her mom and her and her brother and she trusts me with her kids mm-hmm. that's huge and she's a like an amazing mother she's very protective like her kids are her world so that means a lot like that speaks volumes to because I didn't ask like hey can I watch your kids go to this concert <laughs> like this is just like she asked me if, if I would mind and I said of course not like I love these kids and that's something that I never thought I had inside me because it's like I knew I was selfish there there was no gray area on that you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like I knew that I was selfish but I had that twisted in my head to where like it's not like I'm I'm selfish but I'm just I'm driven and I'm motivated and once I get all the things that I want it'll benefit other people too so it was a kind of like a lie that I told myself but like no it (laughs) would never be enough yeah it would never be enough even if I became because I always wanted to do charitable acts and I thought I was a great person for thinking about doing the charitable it was like man you're a good dude (laughs) you're awesome for thinking you won the that. Powerball, you would 
would give away cars to single moms. You'd buy people groceries. Like you'd go into Wegmans and be like, everybody who cashes out in the next hour, it's on me. You know, That's things great. like that. And I would pat myself in the back for it. I never did it. You know, I never acted on any of these wonderful <laughs> ideas. But I was just like, man, what a good human being I am for thinking about just it. Just thinking about it. If I won the lottery, I would give somebody a car. Right. And I thought also, too, that I could like manipulate God. That like you see all the good I'm going to do if I get this money. So you should. That's awesome. You yeah. Should, you should handle me and or hand over this money to me and, and then everything's going to be good and it's like but the thing is is that as like if it, god's an idiot right like as slick as i think i am like no man like just like it's it's funny because <laughs> i was telling you about like how the, the six-year-old you know my stepdaughter and like when she tries to pull like some slick maneuvers and like tries to run game and it's just like i see through like i'm sure some of it gets by me and i just yeah. don't even know but a lot of it i'm just like chuckling in my head like i'm so like i'm i'm just slicker than you like i've been a criminal my whole life You're trust not me doing nothing new You're here, not kid. doing anything new and like your boosting game is fucking weak you know your mom checks your backpack every day why would you leave it in there oh you know what gosh. i mean hide it in the car like i'm not i hope she's not hearing this right now no. but she <laughs> hide it in the car <laughs> or something you know what i mean your boosted game is weak kid. yeah like uh, i'm I mean, not even grounding you for stealing i'm grounding you for getting caught yeah for being a <laughs> moron and not getting away with it. But yeah, so anyways, like getting back to like, okay, so people are trying to look for any which way to get sober that's the easiest. You know, and it says that in the preamble. They try to take the shortcuts. and Or yeah. just the more comfortable way. It's like, I'll do it for the long haul if it's not that difficult. If I don't have to face the things that terrify me. and I don't have to look into my past. Right. And when you do the steps, like it's, it involves your past, but it's not so much looking into your past. It's more looking into yourself and who you really are. You know, like everybody, you hear this this big fear surrounding the fourth step. And Which is the resentments. It's, um, it's your... It's your resentment. There's like a few parts your, to it, right? There's a few parts yeah. to it. And um, it's funny because the resentment is, I feel like that's a way that sponsors trick their sponsees into getting the paperwork going because that's the fourth step is a lot of writing. And it's like you get to write down all your resentments. And in my head, I'm just like, yeah, fuck these people. Let me remember <laughs> how much I hate them for what they've done. And it's it's not that, though, because what it is, so you write out what the resentment was. And then once you get all that written out, then they tell you the next part. It's like, okay, now what was your role in that? Hmm. And it's like, okay, some of them, it's like, it's easy to see. Like, you know, was I selfish in this? Was I dishonest, jealous, like whatever. But in some scenarios like where you have a resentment against, um, like here, I'll give an example. The lady who molested me when I was four. Mm -hmm. What's my role in that? How do I find my role in that? And some of the direction that was given to me is like, if you're stuck on something, stop, put your pen down and just pray and say, God, show me the truth you want me to see. So I did that. And I was like, whoa. It dawned on me the way that I've treated all these girlfriends. Like I was, because there was so much fear in that situation when she was doing what she was doing to me. Mm -hmm. And so that carried on to where I wasn't like at face, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but like at face value, disrespectful or mean to my girlfriend. Like I'd be a great boyfriend, but then when they weren't around, it's like cheating, drugs, stealing from them, like all these like so totally different lives. Yeah, horrible things that I'm doing to them, but I wouldn't do it to their face. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it's like that experience, my role came in later on in life. From that experience. From when that you were experience, four. right. So 
so how was I, what was my role in that? And that's what I wrote down. And I was dishonest in that. I was selfish in that. And so now you have this list of character defects because you go back through these when you wrote out your resentments and what your role was or whatever. So now you, you see this, these patterns start coming out. And like I was dishonest. It was like a huge one. Fear was a huge one. And like, uh, um, so you just kind of seen it. You see the patterns. over and over again. Throughout so now your you're getting your list. Yeah. Now you're getting your list of defects together. And then, oh, my God, I'm fucking up here. So and, and then, OK. Okay, then you go into your sex inventory and it's basically however your sponsor makes you do it but it's supposed to be like very thorough like everybody that you can remember you got to write a thing about like how did you act in that relationship even if it was a one night stand if you remember her by name write it out and then you start to see the defects in your sex life and how you carried on there and then uh what would be an example of like a defect in the sex life um being unfaithful Okay. You know like what I mean? Infidelity. Did, yeah. And were you, were you cheating on all these girls? So like then that was a pattern for me. I cheated on every girlfriend I've ever had. Um, I was disrespectful to the one night stands. You know what I mean? Very degrading sometimes. I was never Wipe like... Wipe yourself a, off. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, whatever. Money's but, um, on the table. <laughs> I'm not up. a hooker. Yeah. Well, you are today. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. This is a serious so, podcast. Um... And then at the end of that, you write what's called your sex ideal. And it's not just about your sex life. It really should just be called your ideal. But uh, basically, you write down for me, like if you're a woman, the woman you want to be. If you're a man, the man you want to be. So just the person that you want to be. And um, I prayed before that, too. And uh, it was it was pretty it was a pretty incredible thing on that piece of paper. And so now that's what you want to strive for. So then your fifth step, you go through all this with your typically a sponsor. You know, so mm-hmm. you share with, with God, yourself, and another human being the exact nature of your wrongs. And then step six became entirely ready to God, have God remove all these defects of character. So it's like now you know what they are. Everything's on front street. You got it in bullet form, all of your defects that, that you, you, you know, can come up with at that time or whatever. And then seven, humbly ask them to remove all these. So that's when, you know, your sponsor leaves the room and, and you just pray. And you just, you know, God, like, take this away from me so I can be, so I can be useful to you. So I can be what you want me to be and you can build me into what you want to build me into. And dog, like that was a very profound experience. Like everybody's steps are are different. Yeah. Um, Some people have this like fucking like screaming from the mountaintops experience. Other people, it's like a slow progression towards peace and freedom. What was yours like? It wasn't, it was a very calming experience. It was very, like it was definitely immediate. Like I felt so light and like just the weight was like a weightless feeling. Yeah. And I just, and I felt safe. I felt so safe. You know what I mean? Because you get in some real nitty gritty stuff. Isn't it crazy how like we're, we're so scared to be vulnerable, even with ourselves sometimes. Absolutely. You know, but when you do it, there's just something because you're just at the raw, authentic, you know, yeah. self. Essentially, that's what it is. You're just, everything is there. There's no more walls up. There's no more. Because even when we're alone, we still try to act like we're tough. Absolutely. <laughs> we still try to put this facade on like, yeah, I'm a tough guy. Right. And like if I hurt myself at work, like I have this habit. I don't know why, but I keep, I hit myself in the shin with my hammer more than I would like to. <laughs> and whether there's people around or not, it's always the same reaction. Like I don't, I don't yell. I just like, I keep the yell in. Cause it's like, you're right. You gotta be tough. Mm -hmm. And even if there's nobody around, it's like, well, I know I'm fucking tough and not a pussy. And it's like, dog, it hurts. It hurts to hit yourself (laughs) in the shin with anything, let alone the claw side of a hammer. I still have lumps, even though it's like healed. There's lumps on the bone. Like I'll, 
I almost said I'll let you feel it, but it's just weird. <laughs> Here, touch it right yeah, now. Touch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is just something so beautiful, and it is. It's a total weightlessness you feel mm-hmm. when you just are. There's no more act. Well, and I mean, uh, uh, one of the, one of the purposes. I don't know if it's a sole purpose, but one of the purposes of of that process is to fully hand your life over to God, and that's like where the vulnerability develops into like a sense of security and well being because you know that like in spite of all that I've done and these defects that I once had, I'm in the hands of God. Like I'm walking with God, and everything is part of His plan, so I'm safe. So even though I did these things, I'm not doing them anymore, which is beautiful. Like, that's a freedom in and of itself. But then to know that, like, I'm okay, no matter what's happening, I'm okay because I'm in God's hands right now. If it's super uncomfortable, if you find out you get cancer, if you get paralyzed in a car crash, it's hard sometimes to be like, you know, I'm okay because I'm in God's hands because people think, like, why would God do this to me? Mm-hmm. But like I was saying when we were sitting outside when I had... The, I heard, overheard that woman say, like, God's plan is none of my business. Like, it's it's none of my business why God had that happen to me, you know, or w- whatever that may be. But there's a huge, I can't think of the right wording, but there's 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 a, a great peace in knowing that it's okay and, and knowing that God is doing this because he loves me. And uh, it's... Well, you don't. You don't have any idea what any situation, what can come from it. And that's why one of the things I always say is when people... Because self-pity, I think, totally puts a wall up from you from doing any of those things. From as far Mm. as like growing and figuring out what it is you're supposed to get out of this shitty situation you're in, whatever the situation may be. And there is, there's something so awesome about being able to have shitty things happen to you and be like, it's like that story, the we'll see. Yeah, we'll We'll see. see. We'll see if this is a shitty thing or not. We'll see. We'll find out. And it's just, it's crazy when you pay attention and stay out of self-pity, how the fucked up things in your life that happen to you or whatever it may be can become this beautiful, meaningful experience. There was, I was at a big book study. It was, um... It was down in Connecticut, and they had these, like, two guys that were, like, pretty well-known in AA, and they they came to speak, and they were from different parts of the country. And a guy, he, one of the guys, he did uh, a little, I guess you call it a segment or whatever, on self-pity and how it's just it's just selfishness in its rawest form. Mm-hmm. If you are consumed yeah, like with self, you will be miserable because you're disconnected. You know, you're so disconnect, disconnected. You're disconnected from God. You're disconnected from your fellow people. And if you are selfless, it's impossible to be in self-pity. Because how can Absolutely. I be in self-pity when I'm not thinking about me? You know, if I'm thinking about how I can help somebody or do something for somebody or be of service to somebody or be giving of myself, there's self-pity cannot exist it's, in yeah. that realm. It's like oil and water. They cannot coexist. You know what I mean? And if you put them together, they're, they're complete, still completely separate. Yeah, that's you beautiful. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like that's a cool thing there. And it's like there's times I'm still human. And whether somebody's an alcoholic and an addict or has mental health issues or is, you know, quote unquote, normal you know what i mean we all have our ups and downs and moments where we kind of feel a little bad for ourselves and it's just like oh man like this situation sucks you know but i I find it fewer fewer instances of that happening and when it does happening when it does happen i you know and i i've been blessed with this new perspective call it an insight if you want of how to how to look at that and And it's like yeah 
it's like it, it's easy to say like just for like a generic example it's like you know like oh you know i hate having to get up and go to work yeah well a year ago you were in rehab and you were homeless mm-hmm. so be grateful you know so that's like a very generic example but there's so many like fine things that happen throughout the day that you might get a little bummed out about so a guy was yelling earlier today at work and like i had to do what he told me and it's like i wanted to do it anyways because it's my job and i have a strong work ethic but i didn't like that it was like this like being told to d- do yeah it. being told to do it and it's like when I thought about that and like a minute later he was just like you know I still love you bro and like we ended up hugging after or whatever I put my arm around him and stuff but it's like why is that a thing to really get upset about and then a little light bulb went off because in my morning prayers um well like my third set of morning prayers or whatever like I pray pray relentlessly throughout the day just to maintain that contact and that connection or whatever but uh I was praying about like but like ego and like just keep my like block Mm. me from ego and like, if I don't, if I'm not noticing what I'm doing, do it for me. You know what I mean? Cause and that's, that's what, what the, that, that, that is. I mean, when you wanted to do something and then you don't want to do it after somebody yeah. tells you to, that's totally ego. God yeah. walked right in and he's just like, well, you're not noticing this kiddo. So here you go. Here you go. Here you go, bitch. And then, you know, there was a couple of jokes thrown around the job site afterwards. Cause I may or may not have thrown something. <laughs> and somebody said something like you, I can't remember what they said first, but they're like, yeah, you did really good on this today. And you're also an ex- expert can thrower I was like <laughs> fuck you but it's like those beautiful things and if I just continuously ask God to help me with these things and help like and I don't I don't ask him to make me into the man that I want to be I ask him to make me into the person that he wants me to be and I'm you know whatever it is you put it in front of me and I'll just I trust you and if I'm not noticing it and if I'm not doing it then just do that for me and guide me along the way and you know that was just one of a million examples I can give of where God's like and the more you practice it like you were saying, like with meditation or working out or whatever, the more you practice it, the more fluid it becomes and, and the stronger that connection develops and the more I realize that I can do almost nothing on my own. See, I say almost nothing on my own, whereas people who practice this much longer and better than I have would say I can do nothing on my own. <laughs> Everything is done by God and I'm just his utensil. I'm just his tool to be used in whichever way he wants me to. You know what I mean? And it almost sickens me when you see these like super spiritual people in their house gets flooded and they don't have an insurance. And it's like, okay. It, it's just stuff. Like, fuck you. It's just a, <laughs> you just bought that couch. You know? Son of a bitch. You're right. And it's like, you don't even have insurance. Like, you know, like, it's just crazy. And like, it almost sickens me. And that just shows like how spiritually immature I still am and how much room there is to grow. <laughs> but I think the huge point is we said you start catching it more especially when it comes to self-pity because mm. I remember laying in jail and I knew that was the first thing. Like I told you about yesterday, that presentation, my four main points, the first one was getting out of self-pity because I knew if I don't find a way to continuously stay away from self-pity, nothing can happen because there's just a wall up and it's poor me and I can't right. do anything else in life. And after a while, you start catching yourself so quickly be, be getting into self-pity when something bad happens and you start training your brain. Like you said, you do something over and over again, you get better at it. Whatever it is that helps you to be introspective, praying or whatever mm-hmm. it, it takes for you to become that. I mean, that's the key. And then all of a sudden you're catching yourself in self-pity just when the feeling starts, even before the thoughts hit you. And you're like, oh, wait, hold on, that's self-pity. I'm not, I can't go there. What can I get from this? What can I learn from this? What can I do with this? Well, self, like self-pity, like it's, it's a chore. It's almost a job, but it's more of a chore that requires time and effort. 
effort. Routine. So, yeah. You know what I mean? So like if you if you're feeling sorry for yourself, that you have to focus on that. Like Oh it's, my gosh. You, it takes a lot actually, of energy. You notice it and then you focus on it and then you manifest it into more and then you feel even shittier. So you're spending like there there's only so many seconds in the day and you only have so much energy. <laughs> then you feel worse for yourself. Utilize, yeah, and, to yeah. utilize those seconds and that energy. So like you're wasting your fucking time, man. Yeah, and like, that's feel why bad people for have yourself all you want. You're only shooting yourself in the foot, dude. Like you're not you're not benefiting your situation. You may think that like, well, no, if I focus on this, then I can figure a way out of it. Or you can just stop being a bitch yeah. and stop feeling sorry for your fucking self and utilize your energy and your time more. Put yourself in a position where you won't even really have to feel sorry for yourself because things are just fucking better. Things that just are. And it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to to catch that, especially like depending on where you are in life and your spiritual condition. And I mean, if it's you know, if, if, if addiction is something that you're dealing with, it's tough to notice that when you're like in the beginning, like sitting in rehab, it's tough to say like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling sorry for myself because it's only, you know, it's only going to hold me back and I should work towards this prosperous future. It's like, no, dog, I just burnt my life to the ground again. And I'm <laughs> in rehab time. again. And I'm here on fucking Medicaid again. And like, what a loser I am. You know what I mean? So it's it like it's tough. Yeah. And it's, it's such especially when you're 30. <laughs> right. Or at any age, yeah. dude, at any age, man. Like it's and it's so cliche to, to say all these things that like perspective and, you know, the way you look at things or whatever. And like I love that fucking, you know, the the, the posters you saw in your guidance counselor's office, you know, <laughs> attitude's a little thing that makes a big difference. It's so corny. But, dog, that's exactly what it is. It's your attitude yeah. that develops your world. If you're an angry, it bitter frames bitch, the world around it, yeah. you might you might be successful in business but you're going to be miserable there was a guy when the stock market went to shit in 2008 he was a german billionaire and he had something like seven billion dollars like net worth and he lost a billion dollars in the financial markets and he fucking killed himself because he couldn't come to terms with losing a billion dollars like i don't i can't wrap my head around that kind of money but if i had seven bucks in my pocket and i lost a buck i'm not blowing my brains out (laughs) i'm gonna be maybe not thrilled because i'm like oh god damn that was a whole dollar damn all i had was seven (laughs) dollars but um you know what i mean so it's like but his perspective was just, I guess, skewed, I would say. Yeah, I would say so, too. Yeah, you know? that's crazy. That's like chump change. Right. And it's just like, it's just, again, it's just material shit. Attachment, yeah. And it's easy for somebody, like, I'm by no means wealthy, but I have a place to live and I have food to eat and I have employment. So it's easy to say, like, it's just stuff. Like, somebody who doesn't have anything could look at somebody who has that attitude towards something, some kind of loss, and be like, well, it's easy for you to say because you have enough. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, I can't speak for third world countries and stuff, but like, dog, this is America. Even if you have nothing, you have something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you are, are like, you know, really living on the streets and living that life, but there's still something out there. There's still homeless shelters you can eat at. There's people who walk around handing out food and gloves in the wintertime. You know what I mean? Like, there's still something. And most people, if you genuinely went up to them and said i'm hungry can you buy me something to eat would do it more often than not yeah. man like you you'd be surprised because they I've, might not I've give done you it. cash on hand right but. well i've done both i've given out money i've given food i mean and i've also had both given to me mm-hmm. the coolest is when they give you some food they're like i know you're probably not gonna eat this but here and then here's five bucks go get one on me and it's like sweet <laughs> fucking score <laughs> I remember I did, that. Some dude was trying to sell me some shoes the other day, and I was just like, you know, he went on this elaborate. So he was obviously lying about the bus, and because all of a sudden he had his nephew's shoes he could sell too. And I'm like, well, if you, you know, your car broke down and you had to take the bus and blah blah, blah whatever. His story was a bunch of bullshit. I was like, here's ten bucks. Don't don't overdose. <laughs> I was like, don't kill yourself. Yeah. I yeah. feel bad. Hopefully, hopefully you can make it around to some kind of solution. Oh, man. But that's a grim reality, man. It's like not not a lot of people 
are going to recover and like really to like even those who do stop using or whatever are actually going to recover in, into any kind of like peaceful existence yeah. yeah and it's such a sad thing and like there's times when i you know i'll ask god and it's just like you know like why me again i don't have a, a right to that answer but i do ask sometimes like why like why did i because like in, i'm we all have our own story but like in my mind like i was fucking dirt mm-hmm. man i was bottom of the barrel like grimy like i would i'd stole and like just from people who loved <laughs> me like i did horrible things and like ripped people off and just all these things and it's like why do i deserve this and it's like w- like what could the answer possibly be was it because i finally came to a point of willingness is it who knows what it is and it's like i try not to there was a time when I, I kind of started to get an ego around it. It's like, well, I guess I'm one of the chosen few. God fucking loves more than you. And it's like, you idiot. No, like, that can't be it. God I don't loves know. more than you. No, he doesn't. I don't know what it is, but like, that can't be it. It's an amazing thing, man. It's it's crazy. Like, when they say, like, you're literally back from the gates of hell. And it's, it's so true. Yeah. So true. It's, I know. I love seeing you like this, dude. It's peaceful, it makes man. Makes me happy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're both doing very well. One nipple. <laughs> That's another thing, man. How yeah, you, you just went through a little cancer thing. Is that all gone, or what's going on with that? Yeah, I think that, I think it's gone. It was, uh, but it still blows my mind. Like breast cancer. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I laughed when I told Christine. She's like, why are you laughing at that? I was like, well, it's obviously not funny, but it's funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny because it's like, and then again, this is how like my ego will pop up any chance it gets. So I'm in it there. It always does. It always I'm does. in there and she's telling me like, you know, the, the doctor is telling me, you know, what the deal is. And she's like, you have this breast cancer and it's a rare form of breast cancer. And it's like breast cancer in men is super rare. And then you have this super rare like, kind of breast cancer. And I'm just like, man, I get the exclusive shit. Like, this is dope. <laughs> of course I do. Why would I? Don't Why give me, it? Don't give me some run-of-the-mill bullshit cancer. I don't, I want, yeah. I'm not having I want no the, testicular cancer. Right, I want the Dom cancer. of fucking cancer. I want that, like... Not only do I have breast cancer, I'm a dude. It's rare breast cancer. Exactly. Exactly. I want that, like... <laughs> Royal royalty kind of cancer, but anyways, and it I just got blew my mind. Like I've smoked probably fourteen truckloads of cigarettes in my life, pounds and pounds of drugs and booze. Like just, I mean, we're talking <laughs> like distilleries of booze have gone oh through my, my system, God. and then it's breast cancer that I get. Like, what the fucking curveball is that? That's awesome. But again, fortunately, we live in America, and they cut that shit out, and now I got a pretty sweet scar. You do, and uh, I'm missing a nipple. And missing a nipple, which is like it doesn't look that weird. The scar, the scar makes it tough to even see you're missing one. Right, right, and it's like nobody's really looking for it. No, you know, no. and uh, but yeah, it's it's just it actually be creepy if like you're at a swimming pool or something. And somebody's like, dude, you know you're missing a nipple. Yeah, like why are you staring at my chest, bro? If that ever happens, I'm gonna play along with it. Like what? 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 The fuck? What Everybody out of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody move. Nobody move. We're looking for a nipple. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny shit, man. And that's another thing too, man. Like if if I was still like pre steps, Andy, mm-hmm. if I was like, I would, oh my god, the self pity, and I'd be calling people I haven't talked to in years to tell them I got cancer. Oh, yeah. And like it would just be this big all about me kind of thing. And it's like, dog, no, man. It was like it was a cool experience to be honest with you. You know what I mean? It was it was neat. It was neat to go through that and kind of see how the process works in a hospital. And I went to Roswell Park, which is like a very premier. It cancer is. Yeah. research place and it's beautiful it's beautiful there's like it always somebody doing there. an acoustic set in like the main yeah, entrance yeah they got that and, grand piano yeah and dude and everybody's like super nice and you have to I think Morel will go down quick in a place like that it's like working for a hospice pretty much yeah yeah 
You know what I mean? But when you're uh, surrounded by death. It's like you got to do something to try to keep it up. But it, it's like when I found out like the day that I fought, because it, it was totally by luck too. It was totally by luck because I had this lump that was not cancer. And the doctor was like, yeah, it's not cancer, but we're just going to cut it out anyways. And I was like, yeah, cool, go ahead. So they cut it out. And then when I went for a follow-up, which I wasn't going to go to, but I only went because it was at 2.30 on a Friday. And I was like, I don't want to work a full day. So nice. I, like, I got to go to the doctor. And then they tell me, and I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. So then I'm driving, Actually. yeah, I'm driving back to the shop because I had a work truck that I had to drop off after and like shit was just kind of like starting to hit me. And then fortunately I had God to lean on, you know what I mean? Cause that's just where my mindset is now. And it was like, it was the craziest thing, man. Cause like after like, I was like screaming in the car, I was like screaming at the top of my lungs. That's how I was praying at that particular time. <laughs> and, uh, and then I just got like the craziest, like sense of calm and warm. And it's like, maybe this is a bad example, but it's kind of like, like I, these kids nowadays are fucking with molly like it's just it's horse shit i, I did e like pills like in the mm-hmm. 90s we did e and like when you take some pills and like they first start kicking in and your skin gets all like washed over it mm-hmm. feels like warm water that's like the calm that i felt and it and then every song on the radio was like like you know like i spent a lot of time on the road and like gypsy yeah. kind of lifestyle and greyhound and stuff and it's like wagon wheel came on and like just all these like fucking i think <laughs> i awesome. think rambling man came on <laughs> fucking you know and it just like all this cool music came on and i'm just like it's, this isn't by accident and i'm you know what i mean the way that just god just made everything all right in that situation because i did the right thing i went right to god with it and i just i remember like what i'm, I'm screaming i was just like i don't care what the outcome is if you want my flesh and you need me to die, that's your plan, whatever it is. Just keep me fucking sober through this. Mm -hmm. Do not let me make any dumb choices because I can't trust myself right now because it was some heavy news to get. Hell yeah, dude. Especially you don't know. Yeah, Yeah, like I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. They didn't know exactly how bad it was. What everything was. Yeah, you know what I mean? So obviously it worked out well. I mean, I guess it worked out well. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe this is good. Maybe it's bad. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There you go. So those little handouts they give you in Horizon Village do get noticed. <laughs> we read them. But, all right, brother. Well, I wish we had a little longer. I got to do this stupid job. I can't wait till yeah. this is my only job. <laughs> yeah, But we got to do a follow-up on this because I feel like we could go another hour pretty yeah, easily. we can do a part two or a part 11, whatever. So I love you, dude. I'm glad to see you doing awesome. Yeah, you too, man. Because we're sitting here in the dark. <laughs> Gloomy, <laughs> hazy smoke. But cool. Fucking right. All right, bro. All right, later. That's it. That is it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, I'm super proud of this dude. I love him. So pumped to see how he has changed from the day that I met him to now. It's amazing. And I hope you guys will continue to show Room 9 your support and your love. Share this on your social media platforms. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell everybody you run into who is struggling, family members, or the people who themselves who are struggling with substance use. Room9podcast.com. Contact page. Support page is all up there. A new blog is coming out. I promise. I've been saying that and I've not been following through, but that is all actually pretty much well done and complete, so that'll be up by Friday. And look for that bonus episode of just me discussing the four main points, pretty much, of my recovery that has kept me going and kept me strong and at the point where I'm at. So, anyway, have a great week, guys. Much love, much appreciation. Thank you for everything you guys do. This is a humbling experience, to say the least. All right. Peace.